millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen and it's Gav back again after another Sunderland game. This time around we visited Charlton Athletic at the Valley. Unfortunately, we didn't come away with three points, we came away with one, which to some people might be an improvement on recent results, to others maybe not. Yeah, today to discuss the game with me and many other things is Tom Albrighton. Hi Tom. Good morning. Yes, it is morning. you you don't look very bright. You don't look like you've had a coffee. I've had three to make sure no, I was I a bit more sprightly. Yeah, I was I was out last night and a bit more optimistic. Uh, I can tell. Too, uh, I can tell. Too optimistic about what time I could have turned out of bed. That's your fault, isn't it? And also joining us today, uh, we're very pleased to be joined by James Hunter of The Chronicle. Hi, James. Hi there. How are you doing, chaps? Yes, very good. Like We were talking just before we came on. You're in your hotel still. You didn't yeah. uh, You didn't come back from London straight away. You've you managed to have a nice layover. Yeah. Uh, a nice evening with Barnsley and Benno in the curry house, you were saying. So you've had a nice rest. An evening with Barnsley and Benno. I mean, uh, there's got to be a stage show in that, hasn't there? <laughs> a while ago, we had them on the podcast. And uh, Nick's Mrs. Joanna, I've known her for years. She suggested after that that we should do, at some point, a game of Mr. and Mrs. Or Mr. and Mr. even, with <laughs> Barnsley and Benno. They probably know a lot more about each other than nearly anybody, given the amount of time they bloody spend with each other. Uh, but Definitely. yeah, we've got Nick on next week, by the way, so that'll be nice. But... Today we are talking about Charlton versus Sunderland, nil-nil. I think it's safe to say that some of the reaction I've seen from it, a lot of people are disappointed that we weren't able to turn a decent performance into three points, James. Um, probably a little bit in that camp, although I do think that the fact that we got another clean sheet's a good thing. Performance was definitely better. But where are you at with that, given sort of the other results around and, and where we find ourselves on the table now? Yeah, well, the performance was much better. Uh, there's no question about that. That They carried on the performance level from Wigan. Um, and that was a very positive thing. And, and the clean sheet, as you, as you say, that's back-to-back clean sheets now. But unfortunately, the stage of the season is, is such that taking a point in games that you really should win you know, is, is not going to be enough, is it? You've seen other teams take advantage yesterday. Sunderland slipped to seventh in the table and uh, you know it's getting all all a bit tight in in the race for a playoff place so you know I was I was heartened and encouraged by the performance but unfortunately it, it didn't bring the result that they needed I would have taken a worse performance and and three points and I suspect Alex Neil would feel the same what about you Tom where, where where do you lie are you happy with it or not no not really I, to, to be perfectly honest with you I think given the run Charlton are on 
you know, we pick up a bit of confidence from last week. This stage of the season, I I just don't think you can be be too happy with the point. I know it's a point away from home, but we're really in a situation where we need to be getting as many points on the board as we can, as many wins as we can to get some momentum, and it just seems like another bit of a false start. Yeah, well, yeah, perhaps. I, I was saying yesterday when we were chatting, I'm not obviously ready yet to judge Alex Neil. I think he's only been here two minutes, really, and I think it's a bit difficult. But there are certainly things about the way we're playing, James, isn't there, that are different. Obviously, the first one is we're keeping clean sheets. And a big factor in that has been taking out Callum Doyle, bringing in Arbonat Jamadjali, who a lot of people, uh, me included actually, weren't really sure whether he would be ready to play yet. I've, I've, I'd watched him a few times for the 23s and seen him play and I thought, God, he's nowhere near. But to his credit, I think I heard his interview um, after the game with Nick last week. I think it's very clear that he, because he's waited so long to come back into the team, He's just thought, I've got to take this chance. Like, I've got to. And you've got to say, he's done okay, Annie. He? He's done really well. And I'm glad that he's proven me wrong because, I, again, like I say, I wasn't sure. You go to the 23s game, so you'll have seen similar sort of performances to me. Yeah, I mean, as you'd expect, he, he did look a rusty, as, as you would, you know, after more than a year out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think there's any surprise yeah. about that. I think Alex Neal has. has as I said, you you left in a or he's been left in a situation where do you carry on with Callum Doyle, who's played too much football and looks fatigued and jaded, or do you bring in a player like Arby, who has played hardly any football and take a chance on him? Now he had to do something, and he and he opted to to rest Doyle and bring in Arby, and it's worked. It could have gone badly wrong. He could have brought in Arby, and and it turned out you know to to be the wrong decision, and uh, you get caught out two or three times against Wigan, and everybody would have. You know, understandably said it was the wrong wrong call, but that hasn't happened. So, you know, at the moment you're in a situation where Jamadli's played two good games. He's helped Sunderland keep two clean sheets, um, and you, you'd expect that he'll get better from here on in. However, of course, Callum Doyle came back into the mix yesterday. He was only an unused sub, but uh, um, you know, I think he he's going to have benefited from that break. And there's a possibility that that uh, should he need to, then then he can. Because again, you can't you can't play RB for the, the last ten games after having played no football. You can't then play him in the last twelve games of the season, can you? Yeah. So at some point he's going to he's going to need to pull him out, maybe in a game or two's time, and put Callum Doyle back in. So I think it's going to have helped have, having a refreshed Callum Doyle on the scene. But the clean sheet has been very important, hasn't it, Tom? When you think about it, like we have struggled all season to keep them. And it gives us a base to build from, really. We've 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 got to go into this little run towards the end of the season. And I said this when Alex Neil took the job. By the time the playoffs roll around, fingers crossed, we're in in the playoffs by the end of the season, and we will come on to that. But by the time the playoffs roll around, we've got to be ready for it. And a big part of that is don't concede as many goals, stop losing games, and you know everything else. Then it's a platform for it to build from, isn't it? You know, you you get a solid, consistent defense that can just do its job and is very functional. And then after that, the rest of the team should flow from there. I think the problem that Alex Neil probably found in his first few games was because the defence was so weak, he's then had to pick players in front of the full-backs and in front of the, the centre-halves who can shield them. And I just think maybe yesterday, although we were all right going forward, that you could see that in the performance. You could see that the players that were on the pitch weren't necessarily 
given us as much as we probably needed in the final third. And that's a conundrum, isn't it? When you're in League One, like Lyndon Gooch, defensively very solid, but we know where he falls down from an attacking perspective. And there is no other player, really, who's got any sort of balance in that wide position. We've got Clark and Roberts, two very good players. You can see it. Every time they touch the ball, they're good footballers. But then you think about it, well, where do they fit in? So it's it's difficult, isn't it, for Alex Neal to pick a, a team which sort of hits every area perfectly. And I guess at the minute, what he's trying to do is just establish a base to build from. Yeah, I mean... He did have to tighten up the defence. I don't think anyone could argue otherwise. But one concern, to be fair, it's been a concern of mine pretty much since we've been in League One when people have, have discussed the merits of keeping clean sheets. And just keeping clean sheets shouldn't come at the detriment of, of our attack and prowess. And granted, in certain situations, I think it is appropriate, sort of like when you're going away to Wigan, keeping a clean sheet there is very important because before the game... You would have felt our only chance of winning was maybe sneaking a little 1-0. But my concern is situations like yesterday, where we were comfortably on top of the game, controlling a lot of the football. And when it came to the time for substitutions, the substitutions just became very like-for-like swaps. There was no real change. Like We we continued the full game with Evans and Matete in the middle. We were dominating the game and Charlton weren't really a threat. So Alex Neal's got to identify those moments and I think we were struggling to create any real clear-cut chances, sort of, although we did, we you know, Ross Stewart missed a few headers that he probably should have buried, is we couldn't get the ball into feet in the penalty area. So in those situations, he needs to look towards maybe tweaking the formation slightly or bringing on players like Dan Neal who can find that pass to do things. So I think even though keeping clean sheets is probably a positive thing, Alex Neal's got to find the balance between when you have to go and be really defensively solid, which is like your away games at Wigan, and when you can go to Charlton, dominate the game for an hour, and then say the merit of not being so defensively astute to try and bring something else to the table to go and win the game. Yeah, and I think when you look at the team he picked, I was wondering, does Alex Neal feel like Charlton maybe going to have more of the ball than they actually did? Because it seemed to me like a team that would be set up really well for counter-attack. You know, Broadhead coming back into the side, James, was a shock to me. I wasn't expecting it. I know he'd been training, but I wasn't expecting to see him start. I just thought the way that, we, you know, the, the three at the back, the two wing-backs, I thought, oh, well, if, you know, if Charlton, like most teams do at home, have quite a lot of the ball, then we're really well geared up to, to counter and, and maybe expose the fact that they're not so good defensively that way. But the way it turned out, Charlton didn't want the ball at all they let us have pretty much all of it and that sort of as Tom just said it meant that we we weren't able to penetrate them maybe as much as we probably would have liked to yeah I mean you know he obviously decided that he wanted to match up with uh, with Charlton and play three at the back you know I don't have a problem with that what you're saying about Nathan Broadhead I wouldn't have imagined him starting yesterday I would have thought that he would have been on the bench and come on for the last half hour rather than play for the first 70 minutes but no problem with the way it happened because he played well. I thought he looked quite lively, he looked quite sparky, particularly in the first half, which was Sutherland's best period of the, of the game. And then just to Tom's point there, I mean, Alex Neal did change things in the second half. He he moved, he, he actually switched to 4-3-3 and the game opened up a bit and that was when it became a bit more end-to-end and Sunderland had chances and Charlton had chances. So he, he did take that 
that gamble, if you like, to take a bit more of a risk in the second half, just weren't able to get that goal. But the, the other side of that is Charlton nearly won it with the last kick of the game. So you do leave yourself open to that. And and I know that Alex Neil said in his press conference afterwards, he said, uh, uh, you know, if we'd have scored one goal today, then we would all come away talking about how well Sunderland had played. And that's true. But equally, if that chance right at the death had gone in and Charlton had come away winning 1-0, we'd have been sitting here with a, a very different take on things, wouldn't we? Um, so you do take, yeah. you do have that, um, you know, if you'd have taken that risk and got mugged in the 93rd minute or whatever it was, then so so much of it depends on, on, on the outcome, doesn't it? We can sort of mm. go back and look at the individual decisions in the game, but one goal either way changes the whole perspective. Yeah, and you look at sort of their results going into the game and the, the worst team form-wise in the league, not scored... For for quite for a few games, didn't score against us. I'm just looking at the stats here. Charlton, I didn't realize hadn't had a single shot on target in the game. Yeah, their their sort of lack of threat up top, James really, I think made it possibly an easier task for us than we might have expected because we just had to get one goal. And I know yeah, we touched yeah. on it before. Charlton, Charlton had three good chances, although they didn't get any of of those three chances. On target, but they did have three good chances. Mm. But yeah, you, you, you know, you, you're right. They, they offered much less of a, an attacking threat than I expected them to. Much less than they did at the Stadium of Light. I thought that um, you know Bailey Wright and uh, RB and Carl Winchester handled Stockley and uh, Burstow, the other lad, uh, really, really well. Mm. You know, they, they had the extra man in there, obviously going three at the back, uh, and they had you know Stockley until the, the ninety third minute or whatever it was in, in injury time when Stockley had that chance, he wasn't really in the game. Other than that, though, we did have some half... De- I would like to highlight a handful of decent performances. thought Dennis Serkin was really good, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gets a lot of credit and he hasn't played particularly well in the last two months or so. But I think, actually, when you look at players who've improved under Alex Neil, I think, since Neil came in, Serkin's probably been our most improved player. I thought that was his best game for Sunderland, me, Tom. I don't know about you. I thought that he just looked more assured, more confident. He was flying into tackles, which I've never seen him do. Getting forward, he was a threat, and he was he was in their box two or three times. He had a really good chance to score at the back post in the first half. So I, I thought I thought he played well. I think I think we deserve to give him a bit of credit. Yeah, I, like you say, I think it was his best game in a Sunderland shirt. But I think one one big change that's come with Alex Neil, which has probably benefited Serkin more than anyone else is that he just hasn't had that entire left side to defend on his own. Is too often this season, and especially during our bad run, we, we were very, very weak down the left-hand side, or anybody we did play down the left wasn't too interested in tracking back. When you watch Serkin play, he likes to play with a high line. He, does, he is a very attacking full-back. He likes to get up and down. So, given the fact he's got a little bit of cover, it just means he can, he can, can fly into tackles, you know, because... He's in 1v1 situations, he's not in 2v1s, he's not having to deal with overlaps, does not know whether to come, whether to go. So he, he's really benefited from a slight tactical tweak that's been made over the past few weeks and because of that it's allowed him to, to play his best football so far. Yeah, uh, I thought Alex Pritchard was brilliant as well, James. and He's going to be a miss, isn't he? I think that you could tell by his reaction when he went down, took yeah. off his boot and launched it 20 yards away. Yeah, and then was carried off the pitch by two people. It doesn't look good for him, does it? No, players know. You know, players know when 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 you've got an injury, 
you know whether it's a serious one. You know it's a bad one. They know straight away, and uh, he he clearly you know feels that that was a bad one. There'll have to be a scan, of course, to find out the extent of the damage. But Pritchard has been, after a, a fairly slow start, has been such an influential player for Sunderland. You know, first month or so of the season aside, he's been so influential. He's going to be a huge miss in in the last ten games of the season, uh, and potentially in the playoffs if uh, if either he's not back till then, and assuming Sunderland get there, then uh, you know that. That in many ways, that's more important than the two drop points. I think yesterday, in my view, you know, losing uh, losing Pritchard, if he is out for for an extended period, you know, that that'll be more important than the two points dropped yesterday. Pritchard, just looking at it, if he is out for a while, does Pritchard being injured then does that maybe give Alex Neil a chance to to bring Dan Neil back into the team? I know he's been absent for the past couple of weeks. He was another player who needed a rest. But over the season, we'll watch them kind of sit deeper and deeper on the pitch. So I'm just wondering there if maybe there's an opportunity there to, to bring Dan Neal back into the team, but in a perhaps a more attacking role. You could do that, or uh, another possibility might be to, to bring Elliot Embleton in, in that number 10, you know, behind the, the two strikers. He's got a bit more creativity than Dan. You know, Dan's kind of, you could you could swap Dan in for Jay Matete or... Maybe even play Matete and Dan Neal and drop Corey Evans. I just think that he'll want somebody with a, a similar kind of creative spark. And I think the closest he's got in that to Alex Pritchard will be Embleton. I think from Embleton's perspective as well, if that is the case, he is really going to have to impress in whatever run he gets. Because I think everyone, you know, it's it's not unfair to say that Embleton, since he's came back from Blackpool, is flattered to deceive. He has had a few good games, but he's had as many anonymous games really as he as he has good games so in regards to to whatever happens to Pritchard I think whoever steps in is really going to have to have to perform and they're going to have to impress over the next potentially eight nine ten games there just to you know to to earn a contract or just to stick around for next season I mean Elliot's obviously been played in several different positions you know particularly he's been played out wide left in a a few games which doesn't really suit him but I think in that in that Mm -hmm. Pritchard role, if you like, um, number ten or just behind the strikers. There, I think that uh, uh, you know would suit him down to the ground. I, 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 I'm more sort of in the camp of I would rather see Embleton there, just because he's more of a goal threat. I think he came on in the game at uh, at Charlton and within a couple of minutes put a fantastic ball through, which just it. it I agree with what you're saying, Tom. I think he does flatter to deceive often, but creative players do, don't they? they especially at this level, they yeah. They're inconsistent. But I think if there's one player in the squad who has similar attributes to Pritchard, it's probably Hamilton. The thing I think we're going to miss, there's two big things that aren't really often talked about with Pritchard. One is his, uh, his work rate off the ball, which he doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for. He's brilliant at closing people down, winning the ball back. When when sort of a bad pass is pinged into him and he's got two or three players around him, he always comes out the other end with it. The other thing is, is his leadership. He's always digging people out. He's always telling people what to do. You know, and that's natural given he's probably one of the oldest players in the team. So then to replace that with a player who's a little bit more meek, younger, I wouldn't say Hamilton's particularly great in the tackle. It's difficult. You're not going to be able to replace Alex Pritchard, unfortunately. He's, in my eyes, the best footballer in this league by a long stretch. And you can add in his set, set pieces as well, Gov. You know, yeah. Adding his, his set pieces as well. Yeah, he's he's corners, he's free kicks. I mean, Emerton is a good player, but you're on about the best player in League One here, I think. 
and let's just pray, cross our fingers, cross everything, that Alex Pritchard is only going to be out for a couple of weeks at least because yeah. I dread to think really how we get through the rest of the season without him. I think you look at how, how effective Ross Stewart's been this season, a lot of that's been to do with Alex Pritchard and him playing in behind him, you know, the set pieces and stuff like you just mentioned. So it's difficult. But I guess the other side of that, James, is we've got Patrick Roberts, we've got Jack Clark, who haven't had a run of starts in the team yet. And when you know a player gets injured, it presents opportunity, doesn't it, and gives other players a chance to, to show what they can do. And while Elliot Hamilton might be the most natural replacement for Pritchard in the team, you've got to look at those two and think, well, these are players with real quality. Can we get them in somehow? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, just to finish up on Pritchard, that just reminds me very much of that first season in, in League One where um, lost Aidan McGeady, when McGeady was flying not mm-hmm. far off this stage of the season. And, and of course, what an impact that had on, on the remainder of the season. You think if, if McGeady had stayed fit till the end of that, that season, um, Sunderland might not have gone into the playoffs at all. They may have gone, gone up automatically. Yeah, but yeah, to, to what you were saying about Clark and, and Roberts, I mean the two talented players. Um, I don't think we've really seen it since they've come come to Sunderland because they've been in and out of the side. You know, mainly off, well, virtually exclusively off the bench. They've they've come. They've arrived short of match fitness, so we haven't seen them anywhere near at the best. Now it's this is an opportunity for for one of those two, or maybe even both of them, to step in and and step up to the plate and show the you know why they've been at Premier League clubs, at top Premier League clubs. You know that this is an opportunity for them. The state the stage is there for them, but we need to we need to see it from them. Patrick Roberts played in the under twenty threes on Monday night. Um, at his own request, he, he asked to play. That's always a good sign, I think, to to have a, a player that, that says, "Yeah, I'm happy to play at Appleton on a Monday night in you know Arctic conditions. That'll that'll do me fine because I I need the the match fitness. So you know that 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 was a good sign. Let let's see if we can bring his undoubted talent you know to to the fore because in in this league in in League One you know he could be as influential as Alex Pritchard, but of course we know that he's he's not yet fully up to speed. So we have to temper that a little bit. Yeah, just to round off on the game, Tom, two points dropped or a point gained, in your opinion? Oh, two dropped, easy. Yeah, what about you, James? Uh, yeah, very very much so. In terms of the game, of course, yeah, um, two points dropped. Sun- Sunderland were by far the better team, should have created enough chances to win two or three games and didn't manage to get over the line. As I say, performance was encouraging, but we're at the point now where it's it's the, the points that matter over the performances. Yeah, I imagine you met with Alex Neil after the game and what was his sort of reaction to what went on and what was the vibe you were getting from how he felt about how things went? Well, you know, like all managers in these situations, they're kind of trying to pick out positives from a game and I get that. And of course, you know, he was pleased with the performance and he said something didn't get what they deserved. He said all the things that we're saying, basically. Frustrated at the result and not being able to put away any of those chances. But he did come away pleased with the the performance, and he's a firm believer, and he and he said as much that uh, uh, if you get the performances right, the results will come, uh, and I believe that too. The trouble is, there's only ten games of the season left now, um, and you can say, well, you know, get the performances right, and and the and the results will come, but you can't afford to have too many days like yesterday. In fact, you. In Sunderland's situation, you can't afford to have any more days like yesterday where you, where you get the performance right and you don't get the result. Mm. That's the issue. Right right now, scrappy 1-0 wins uh, are worth more than beautiful football goalless draws. Yeah. 
And the problem as well is is that Wickham have refound their form. So that's us yeah. out of the playoffs now. We're seventh. Uh, luckily, Chef Wed got beat. Plymouth on the back of two defeats have won again and have two games in hand on us, most importantly. So they're a point behind two games in hand. And Ipswich are only four points behind us. I never, ever thought at any point would be at risk of dropping behind Ipswich. But, you know, they're, they're on my coattails as well. And then Bolton below them as well. And Pompey, who are the most informed team in the league at the minute, They've come right back into form. They've got two games in hand on us. If they won both of them, they would be on equal points to Sunderland. People are really going for us and going for those playoff spots now. And, and the, the problem is, isn't it, James, is that we just have to win our games. We can't worry too much about what's going on around us, obviously, but you've just said yourself there, 10 games left. We've got to, we've got to look at our own fixtures now and think, we've, got to, we've, we've still got a really good chance of finishing in the top six. But you look at it, I think four of the next five games are at home. Two of those against really poor teams in yeah. Fleetwood and Crew, and actually Gillingham, you could argue, are a poor team. So yeah. and Lincoln aren't having a great season. So you know, I think if you were any of those other teams in the playoffs or around the playoffs, and you had that set of fixtures, you'd be over the moon, wouldn't you? We can't be daunted by it. Yeah, and, and even more so than the fact that uh, that you got so many at home. You've got to look at some of the games. Whereas there's. Uh, Oxford still still to play. Sunderland have Rotherham still to play, and someone else in the playoffs as well, aren't they? Plymouth, Plymouth are in there Plymouth, as well, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So they've got three teams in in, in there that uh, that you've mentioned still still to play. It's absolutely essential that Sunderland win those games. You know, partly for their own sake, but also to put a spoke in the wheels of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so those matches become all important now, don't they? In, yeah. In the running, as well as. Of course, putting away the teams at the wrong end of the table that you'd hope that Sunderland can beat, particularly at home. You know, the, mm. there's, there's just so. I think when you get to the last ten games of any season, um, unless you're well clear at, at the top or well clear in in the playoffs, you know, every every single game is is, is crucial. And um, mm. you know, uh, we, we've seen it before with with Sunderland in in the running. I mean, uh, you just can't afford to to slip up, and you can't afford to to have days like yesterday where where two points slip through your fingers. And we've got Fleetwood on Tuesday, as I just mentioned. They're on a rotten run of form. They're only two points above the relegation zone. They've just lost to Ipswich. They've just lost to Wigan. They've played other teams around us and, and got beat. And like I said before, we've we've got to win this game, haven't we? Fleetwood at home hasn't always been an easy game for Sunderland, but that was sort of when Joey Barton was manager. and He used to take those games very seriously, and so did his players, where now I'm, I'm thinking it might be a little bit different. But at the same time... They're scrapping just as much as we are, just for a different cause. They they need to win. They've got they've got to stay up. So it's going to be tough, Tom, isn't it? We've we've just got to win. And and I keep saying this all the time, but when a poor team comes to your stadium midweek, especially, then you know they're traveling through the week. You've got to look at that and think if we don't win that game, there's something sorely missing. Yeah, definitely. And I think one issue going ahead is going to be you you're going to expect Fleetwood really to sit in. Is is their game is going to be? They're going to try and sit in, defend deep, probably look for that ball over the top, try and hit us on the break. Is there? No, Charlton tried it a couple of times yesterday with varying degrees of success. So there's there's still a, a you know that's still a slight chink in the armor. My concern is especially without Pritchard is that we'll just play some sort of somewhat in Fleetwood's hands. Is there? I feel like the past few games under Neil, there has been an over-reliance on crosses into the box to Ross Stewart, who doesn't really seem to thrive on that sort of delivery. I think he, he, a variation is what he thrives on. He has scored goals from crosses and corners, 
but he needs that mix-up in play and he's not really getting in behind teams. And I just kind of feel if we're going to play to the same style we did against Charlton and rely on those crosses into the box, Fleetwood will just look to, to cut those out. And it's no real secret that in terms of delivery into the box, we're probably not one of the finer teams for it. So that that would be a concern. I think we do need a little bit more variation in there, how we're going to attack. But yeah, I think it's going to be a very, I think it, it's potential to be a very dour game because I do feel like Fleetwood aren't going to come for the three points. They're just going to try and sit, sit deep, sit and frustrate and then maybe just try and, you know, hit us on the break with one or two counter-attacks that they might have. How would you approach it, James? What do you, what do you think you should do? Uh, well, I think, you know, as, as Tom says, I think Fleetwood are going to come and try and grind a result out. You know, the, they'll be happy with the point, definitely. So it's up to, going to be up to Sunderland to find a way to, to break them down. I think it'll, it'll be slightly more on, on the uh, adventurous side over yesterday. You know, he won't, I don't think he'll, he'll stick with... Three centre-backs, I think he'll probably go back to a back four, probably 4-3-3 three, three again. Take a bit more of a calculated risk and try to find a way to to break Fleetwood down. I mean, Fleetwood have, have been on a, a fairly poor run themselves. They're, they're at the wrong half of the table, aren't they? So you'd look at that from Sunderland's point of view or, or from the point of view of any of any team going for the playoffs or promotion. And you'd go into that game looking fairly confident that you can get uh, you know a victory from it. Um mm. But the big thing is with no with no Pritchard to to do the the heavy lifting, he's going to have to find an alternative, and that's where I think it's going to be an opportunity for Embleton or Roberts or Clark, you know, to come to the fore. I would like to see Roberts start this one. I just think when you when you're talking about a team who who are going to sit in, you know, you're not going to be able to stretch them, which is probably a game that would suit Clark because he's quick, good at moving the ball at pace. If they're just going to sit and camp around the box. They're going to be difficult to penetrate, which is why I think sometimes you need your ball players on the pitch. And that might be a, a really good opportunity then to give Patrick Roberts his first start because although he is quick and he is very good at getting him behind and all the other stuff, he's very two-footed player and he can create something out of nothing. So I would be tempted to play him, if I'm honest. I think we've seen, we've seen Clark, we know what he can do, very good player. We haven't seen really enough of Roberts to, to make a solid judgment on him and I just think... You know, if there's going to be an opportunity to start this lad, let's get him in in a game in front of the home fans against a team who aren't doing very well, and and say to him, look, we've we've lost Alex Pritchard, who's a very creative player who does who offers us a lot in the final third. I want you to go out there and I want you to try and and fill that void because we know you've got the talent to do it and throw down a marker and lay a challenge down to him and say, look, you know, you're here, you've got ten games, prove yourself, and it might work, it might not, but. You know, you've sometimes you've got to try something different, haven't you, James? You've got to sometimes look at the quality you have in your ranks, like we do. We've got so many good players not playing at the minute, and and try and you know try and inspire them a little bit, maybe even to to take the opportunity that they've been given. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if um, if Alex Neil does does that on on Tuesday and does bring in Patrick Roberts for for a start because he's shown that he's he's prepared to take bold decisions, whether it's bringing in. RB in a central defence instead of Callum Doyle, or whether it was yesterday starting Nathan Broadhead when you know the pragmatic thing to do or would be to bring him on for half an hour, and I think nobody would have complained if he'd have done that. So, so yeah, I think um, you know he, he's shown that he can and will is willing to take uh, um, bold decisions. So yeah, why not do that with Patrick Roberts? Why not? Why not play him in that ten role? Give it, give it a whirl. If it's really not working, of course you've got Elliot Embleton there that you can bring on. Um, and and change it, um, mm. 
but yes, somebody's got to step up to the plate and, and fill that Pritchard-shaped hole in the team. And, uh, and and why shouldn't it be Patrick Roberts? It should be the sort of challenge that he'll that he'll thrive on. You you would mm. think. But we all just hope that Alex Pritchard will be back at some point during this running um, to help Sunderland out because he's the the one you know really proven quality player that Sunderland have um, when it comes to that creativity. Yeah, how would you see the game playing out then, Tom? To put you on the spot, I wouldn't like <laughs> to see that way. Is Get off the fence. That, I, I think it. I think it entirely depends on the team he selects. I feel like there's, um, you know, players like Gooch. The, I don't feel like there's there's a reason to select players like Gooch, especially against Fleetwood, because would I don't feel like we're going to need that defensive aspect of the game. I'd rather see someone like Diaco perhaps play there or Roberts, someone or Clark, someone who's going to be direct, who's going to drive at Fleetwood every time they do try and get out and relieve a bit of pressure. So yeah, I think it just entirely depends how he how he sets up the team. I think if he if he sticks with sort of the likes of Gooch and you know to an extent Evans, who are are intrinsically sort of like there for the defensive contributions as much as the forward contributions, is it end up being a scrappy game? Probably scrape a one or a two nil. I think if he if he throws caution to the wind a bit, sort of gets in some more attacker minded players, some more direct players. If we play well, there's a good chance that they can be swept away almost. Yeah. What about you, James? How do you say it going? I think we'll win. But I don't know. I don't know if it'll be easy. Yeah, um, it's so difficult, isn't it? It's so difficult to to pr- predict these these kind of things. So you know, you, you you've got so many different variables. What team you pick, what team they pick. As I say, I think he's going to have to go for a, a more risky strategy. He's going to have to try and take take the game to Fleetwood. I think the fans will expect that at home, and and I think that. Uh, you know that's what he'll he'll do. They created so much against Charlton yesterday, so the creativity wasn't a problem. I know he likes Lyndon Gooch because Lyndon Gooch works so hard in out wide. Dayaku missed out yesterday with a slight injury. Whether he'll he'll come back into contention on Tuesday, I don't know. Same with Defoe, he was also out with a, a slight injury. But you know, it's 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 so tough to tell. I, I think Sunderland, I think you you're right, Gav. I think Sunderland will will probably win on Tuesday night. But they may well it may well be a scrappy one 0 win and and you know I'll I'll settle for that now if offered. I'll settle for ten of them between now and the end of the season. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't honestly care anymore about um style. I just think yeah. I just think we've got to we've got to pick points up and we've got to like I keep saying and it, people are gonna get bored of us saying this, but we've got to be in good shape going into the playoffs. I think we'll be in the playoffs, I do. I know that's a little bit hard for some people to to take on the chin, a lot of people are feeling well. You know, we've thrown automatics. We definitely have, and a lot of people think we aren't good enough to even make the playoffs now. But I still think we we are good enough, and it's just about how we actually shape up going into that spell. We've talked on the on the pod in the last few weeks, James, about just the fact the last two times we went into the playoffs, we've been we've been rubbish. We haven't been good enough, and then when you go into the playoffs, you're flat, and it's it's difficult, isn't it, to then bring the mood back up. Whereas now we've got. This run of games, we've got 10 games, six of them are at home, quite a lot of them are against teams struggling at the other end of the table, and you've got to look at it and think, right, let's get ourselves as as prepared as we can for those playoffs, let's make sure we're in good shape, mm. and a big part of that, as I said earlier, is the clean sheets thing, but the other other part is getting some of these players fit, and you know we haven't seen Broadhead for a while, we've got McGeady coming back, we've got Luke 9 coming back, all of a sudden the squad looks very strong, doesn't it, and then you you're looking a little bit more optimistically about our chances and and the variety of options available to Alex Neil then for the rest of the season. It's a bit of a mindset thing as well, Gav. I think I remember 
you know, Jack Ross saying after that first season when, when Sunderland very narrowly missed out on automatic uh, in the final week of the season and, and finished up in the playoffs, um, there was such a, a sense of disappointment around the club having missed out on automatic going to, to taking that into the playoffs. And again, even um, last last season, you know, there's still disappointment at missing out on automatic and and winding up in in the playoffs. This time, it'd be different because Sunderland are scrapping for a playoff place. Let's let's be honest about it. You know, there's nothing guaranteed about getting a playoff place at this stage. If Sunderland finish sixth or fifth, people will will you know feel relieved. They'll be going into the into the playoffs not not, not on a high, but they'll be going in, in, into the Playoffs, you know, with a different, totally different outlook to they did that first season, um, and that you know that mentality might make a difference. You know how people view the playoffs this time round. Should Sunderland get in there, will be very different. I think. Yes, yes. Well, we'll we'll know better on Tuesday, won't we? When we've when we've played Fleetwood, I think we're all disappointed we didn't win. But there were signs of hope from the performance at the weekend. We've just got to go beat Fleetwood, as I keep saying repeatedly. But we do. We just got to make sure we win. A one nil would be absolutely fine with me. It 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 means that we would then have only lost one of our last six. I think um it would be seven points from nine, which is an improvement when you look at how badly things were going. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't heading in the right direction. Another win on Tuesday would be great. Then you're then looking ahead to the weekend even further, and you've got Crew who I think are bottom. So and I know in these games recently we haven't taken the opportunity. But we can't dwell on that. It doesn't mean we're not going to win these games, does it? It means, you know, it means very little actually. It means it means that if we go to Crew and we go and beat Fleetwood, there's another six points. Um, I'm sure teams around us will drop points as they have this weekend even. So yeah, we've just got to try and remain optimistic as best we can. Really, I know it's difficult when people are are really expecting something to to win the division. And we're now talking about well, we might not make the playoffs. Well, it is what it is, and I don't think Alex Neal will be sitting worried about that he'll, he's he's been given the job with one task in mind and that's to get promoted that's literally it get get promoted and worry about the rest in the summer and as far as i'm concerned that, that, that objective's still there we can still get promoted and it's just about how well prepared we are going into that spell isn't it yeah absolutely we we really need to be aiming don't we for as many wins as we can possibly get and obviously that's just looking there at how tight the table is, is we really actually need to to batter teams like Crew and like Fleetwood, especially if we're playing them at home, because goal difference here now could could be worth a point in itself. And and it's just I think it's crazy how you look at how well the season started and how we were blowing teams out of the water. And now we're kinda like, you know, we just need any points any way we can get them when really by rights, we should be coasting our way to the division above. Well, some some might disagree. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't know if I agree that we we have a right to do it. I think what I think I agree with you in the sense that at a point in the season we looked so focused and the football was so good, but it was inevitable that you were going to hit you were going to hit a bad spell, and it was inevitable that the young players were going to run out of steam. Oh and, yeah. And it's just you look at the teams at the top end, Tom, and you see the experience they've got. That's why they're there. You know, Rotherham and Wigan. I think the surprise package in that mix really are MK Dons, who've just been brilliant since they made that managerial change. But, you know, I think we've brought the average age of the squad way down and we've been missing... This is something that doesn't get talked about a lot, but McGeady and Luke 09 have been a big part of this team for the whole time we've been in League One. 
and they've missed big big spells of football this season. So our experienced players haven't really been there. We have had experienced players, but we've we've sort of that core of the team that's always been there in League One. It hasn't been there, and we haven't adapted well to that at all. That is why, in my opinion, things have taken a spin. But we can't dwell on it. We've got to, We're just gonna to have to get on with it. We're gonna to have to get on. With, like I said before, we have players coming back. We've got. I think a pretty favourable fixture list. I know we've got a couple of promotion teams in there, but I think if you look at who we've got to play, especially in the next few weeks, you, you've got to take that opportunity. I think the Rotherham game will probably get moved, so we'll, we might end up playing them more towards the end of the season. Rotherham game getting moved, if for anyone listening, because I think that's an international break that weekend, and it's, it's likely that the game will get called off. So, yeah, there's nothing to worry about. But we've banged that point home enough, I think. I think we've went on quite long enough. So thank you very much, Tom, for joining me. Uh, go get some ibuprofen and cold water and coffee and sort yourself out, yeah. EMS. Uh, and yeah. thank okay. you very much, James, for joining us. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Good to chat to you guys. Yeah, and thanks, everyone, for joining us. I hope we'll be back after Fleetwood. I don't know. If we win, probably we'll have a reaction pod. If not, we will be back with a crew preview later in the week. And... On the site, obviously, all through the week, we'll be reacting to whatever's going on, so make sure you check that out. You can catch... Uh, I don't normally plug the guests, but I've, I should do that more, shouldn't I? Uh, James, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at jhuntercron. Uh, I'm probably on Facebook too, but I can't remember what the address is for that. So. <laughs> and obviously in the Chronicle every day. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.